Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi everyone. So following on from our chat last week about Marie Kondo's books, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up and Spark Joy, today we are going to have a bit of a discussion around the show that she's released recently on Netflix. So now tell me about your experience of the show. How did you find it? Oh, well, I was cynical because I was in the past cynical of her books and her methods. I skimmed through the first book and decided it wouldn't be very useful for my clients at all. And so I wasn't going to look into it in any depth. And I think that's because when, as professionals, we look at these books and these shows through two different lenses, and that's very different to what the way everybody else sees it. And I think that can explain a lot of the criticisms that her methods have been receiving from professionals like us who do it day to day. And they can be a little bit more critical of this method than say other um, other people might be, although the media have ripped, ripped her to shreds to a certain degree. But I wanted to be really aware that I was looking at this through two different lenses. And so whenever I give my opinion, I make sure that people understand that I am giving it through these two lenses. So there's one lens is, you know, as a person who has stuff and lives in a house, I wanted to view it through that lens. But I obviously cannot turn the other lens off as well, which is viewing it as a professional who helps people in their homes do what she helps people do in their homes. And so when I give a criticism or a critique of it, I have to be careful that I say which one of me is speaking at the time. And so for the large part, uh, I'll be talking as a professional, but I wanted to sort of say from a personal perspective something that really struck me. And I had a few friends laugh at me, um, but then I had a couple that have agreed as well, uh, friends in the industry, I mean, that when I watched her show for the first time and a little bit of the way into the show, maybe a third of the way in, she greets the home in similar to how you described before and she sits down on the floor and she goes through what looked like a little spiritual practice with her eyes closed of greeting the home. And I cried. I watched that crying and I was thinking, oh, Rebecca, you're being ridiculous. This is just a reality <laughs> television show and, you know, this there's someone sitting on a floor talking to an inanimate object and you're crying. Are you are you a crier generally? Like I cry in almost every movie, but Yeah, I do. I'm weird. I I will get tears in my eyes from silly things like seeing a guide dog working. <laughs> that makes me cry every time. Uh-huh. Every time. It's like it's like this this beautiful innocent creature is helping somebody and that makes me cry. I don't it's a bit silly, I think, but yeah, so I am. I will cry at silly things, and obviously it depends on my emotional state at the time as well. But you know, I was. I don't think I was feeling particularly emotional this day, and mm-hmm. and then I've watched subsequent um, episodes, and they've affected me in the same way. But I think I thought about why did I get so emotional, and I thought it's because I don't appreciate my home as much as I should, and I looked around my house while she was doing this, and I almost. I greeted my own home at the same time and I and I almost was saying sorry to my home for not appreciating it more for you know everything that it does for me and you know I'm not the type of person to anthropomorphize normally but it just made me want to do that and so from you know just as a person I 
feel, felt like I connected with my home. And, and even though my home's organized and everything has a home and I don't need to go through her process, when I finished watching that first episode, I got up and I went and cleaned out my bin drawer. <laughs> and I was like apologizing to my house for letting like the get, like grot in the bottom of the bin drawer. And so I took all the bins out and, you know, vacuumed and wiped out the bottom of it. <laughs> and I'd been ignoring it for, for weeks. And, you know, this, it just made me go, oh, I'm so sorry, house. I'll clean your bin drawer. I, I promise I'll do it now. And then it'll be I done. And I, I, yeah, it was very weird. Um, but I, that really affected me. And I think that's one of my favorite things is the whole spiritual side of it. This is one of my favorite things about the whole method is, is just looking at something from a gratitude perspective. There is not enough gratitude in our lives. And I know that being more grateful is proven to bring you more happiness. And I think that Kondo is onto something there. And when she promises happiness, I think that by generating or by, what's the word for it? By promoting this gratitude and connection to your home, um, you are bringing more gratitude into your life, which will ultimately bring more happiness into your life. So that's that, the sort of the spiritual side. And I, I am not religious, but I am a bit spiritual um, to a certain degree. And so I think that's why that, that connected, I connected quite well with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just looking around <laughs> my house and, and thinking, you know, how lucky I am to have this house to look after me and to keep me warm or cool or, and safe and all of those kinds of things. And, and part of that, that whole thing is, is also her calm manner. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a, a bit of a chaotic person. I'm, I'm talking over people. I talk quickly. I rush from task to task with a small, only a small, if any, amount of mindfulness. And I know that doesn't help me. A lot of those those habits don't help me that much. And so I was very much drawn to her calm, deliberate manner because I would like to be more calm and deliberate. And so I really quite was drawn to that. And I, I was inspired by that a little bit to, to perhaps slow down and to, you know, stop rushing from task to task and, and to be a bit more intentional in my, even just in my movements and my motions and how I, you know, relate to things. Um, so I, a lot of people have criticised the, like you said, the jumping and mm-hmm. the uh, a lot of journalists have sort of said, "Oh, she's so sweet. It can't be genuine. It it's so sickly." And you know, she's she's jumping up and down and she's squealing and you know those sort of those things. And that didn't bother me at all. And some personalities annoy me, and other personalities don't. And obviously, her personality just doesn't annoy me the same way it might annoy other people. So I sort of found her to be quite genuine. And in watching her, I couldn't see any fakeness. Uh, I couldn't see any forced friendliness. And when she was uncomfortable, she was still smiling, but you could tell she was uncomfortable. She wasn't faking that those feelings. Um, and, she was still smiling because she's polite, but. Yeah, sorry to uh, now I'm just talking over you. I just thought there was there were times in the show when she would walk into a room and raise her eyebrows or be like, "Oh, yes." You know, like she wasn't always mm. like, "Well, there was that one episode where she's like, "Oh, I love mess." But then mm. she would walk into rooms and go, mm, yes, okay. I see what's going on here." kind of thing. It wasn't like she was um you know, judging. Yeah, judging or or mm. being overtly happy to see the the chaos there was oh, she, yeah. she she did genuinely react a few times so I feel like that there was enough honesty in that for me 
Yeah, I think there was on. To me, there was, and um, you know, other people might disagree, and that's cool. They, um, everyone has a different interpretation, but yeah, I, I sort of felt that there was a large degree of of honesty, um, in in that in the the way that she relates to the stuff and the way she's perceived or shown on the show, um, seems to be quite genuine. I, I, you know. As I said, you know, I think I did a Facebook post about that and I sort of said I would happily allow her in my home to walk on my bench tops <laughs> because she gets up on someone's kitchen benches mm-hmm. at some point and just walks across the kitchen bench top. And someone else said to me, you know, oh, I can't believe she did that. I'd never do that. And, you know, I was, I'm sure I was, stand, I've been standing on people's bench tops now and again to get to a high cupboard. And so I sort of just kept quiet on that one. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go, oh, I've done that. Maybe I shouldn't be t- walking on people's bench tops. But her small, neat tidiness sort of lends herself, lends itself to that kind of um, climbing in things. And, you know, she climbed right into a cupboard, which went, you know, deep under, under a, um, a staircase once and she kind of just disappeared behind all of the clothes and she's inside this cupboard and everyone's sort of laughing and she came out the other side going, oh, it's really deep. And, you know, that was being approachable and being easygoing and being, you know, uh, happy. I think that's one of the things is she's very approachable and I don't think anyone, uh, well, I shouldn't say anyone because I've read lots of media criticising her, but I think personally that I wouldn't be afraid to let her in my home and see my stuff. I think she's very respectful and so that was one of the things I liked. I, th- I think as well some of those, having some of those snippets in the show shows that she didn't just come in, tell people what to do and then leave because obviously she gets them to do it themselves. But I themselves. liked that it showed her a little bit getting her hands not dirty as such but not being afraid of the stuff. So she was happy to climb into mm. a cupboard. She was happy to get up on a yeah. bench top which kind of humanised her a little more, I think, and it didn't seem like she came in, especially given that she had an interpreter. So a lot of the time it seemed like we didn't even hear her say much. Otherwise it would have seemed like she was just a presence in the house, let everyone Mm. know what they had to do and then left and left them to it. So I think that hands-on, even though it was, you know, only a bit here and there, kind of made her seem like she wasn't afraid of of getting in and getting dirty either. Yeah, and she's not afraid of the stuff and she strikes me as someone who wouldn't take any bull either. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, like she seems very sweet but I, I can't I can't see her, you know, taking any, any well, I was going to swear then, I can't swear because it's a clean rater <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's not going to stand for any of that and um, she, I think she would be, she's quite a firm, decisive, assertive person behind that politeness as well. I, I got a good sense of her strength there. So what didn't you like then? About the show, okay. or about her methodology as portrayed in the show. Okay. Well, at a personal level, the show bored me a little bit mm-hmm. because it was, I don't know, stuff I, there was stuff in it that I just wasn't interested in. Um, and that's fine. That's a personal thing. And I guess because I do this all the time, it was nothing new to me. Mm-hmm. There was nothing new there in what I saw in people's houses or what I heard from that, you know, out of their mouths. There was nothing new there. So uh, that was a tad boring. And so I wanted more of her, and there wasn't. As much, as much of her as I would have liked, but that's just a personal thing, I think. I don't think I could criticise the show for that necessarily. I could just say just for me I found it boring. If if I wanted to follow her method, I felt I could, um, but, again, I'm naturally, well, not naturally organised, but I have taught myself how to be organised and so I don't have the same challenges that people who need to go through the process do. But I thought that there wasn't enough information on how to make decisions. There was just this description of spark joy 
where she sort of she showed them she kind of showed them what physical reaction an item should give which is something you can't get from books but she didn't that was it then she sort of said okay do all the clothes off you know off you go and she left and decluttering is so much about decision making mm-hmm. that i felt that was a that re- was really lacking in the show was the assistance with the decision making because the only question they asked themselves was, does this spark joy? That's the only question that they were shown to ask themselves or that she told them to ask. And, you know, as a professional doing this for a living, I know that there are 20 questions that a person can ask to help them make a decision. And I just felt like those people were left lacking for appropriate decision-making assistance. So um, mm-hmm. if if I did you know, want to do this myself, I would sort of look at something and go, okay, well, it doesn't necessarily spark joy as such, but I want to keep it, but I know I shouldn't really keep it because I've got two of them. So now what do I do? You know, they just, there's no answer to that in mm-hmm. her, in her method. Um, so that's sort of quite lacking. Her, her paperwork system, it's, she's got only like three categories. I think they're pending important and oh what's the other one like keep or reference or something like that and I thought well first of all that third category is if it's not important why are we keeping it so really there should only be two (laughs) categories yep you know and and so with the pending and the important that relates similarly to my the way I organize paperwork for clients so I could sort of see the merit in that of having stuff you need to do separate from stuff that you don't necessarily need to do although she doesn't describe it that way it's the way I describe it to my clients but then there's the there's no other categorizing. Um, and what does important mean? Again, where's this decision-making process? How do we decide what's important? And, you know, is what we think important really important? So none of those questions are answered. Um, the paperwork system lacks so much in the way of detail, but that may be in the book. Um, so I, I won't sort of say that her system is lacking. I'll just say the description of the system in the show is lacking as far as paperwork goes. Probably... Another con from a personal perspective was just that there's not enough focus on not acquiring. Mm-hmm. How do we stop the stuff coming in the house isn't really covered much. And I remember watching, oh no, no I'll talk about that in the when I get to my professional lens. Um, but, yeah, that's sort of one of the things is, you know, how do we make decisions when shopping, how to talk to family members about acquiring and gift giving and why do we shop and all that kind of stuff I would have loved to see more of. And that could just be the, my my professional interest coming in as well well and that's that's a criticism I have of the books as well but I think I had to um kind of pull myself back as well because I thought well this is her book isn't about how do I reduce the number of items in my house it's how do I tidy my house up so she she is kind of like Mm. get rid of the stuff you don't use and then tidy and it's almost like and then I will pass you on to someone else to help you figure out why you keep buying stuff she doesn't she doesn't make any promises in there about she says you won't rebound but she doesn't she doesn't talk about right now stop be intentional Mm. with what you purchase that kind of thing that that's not really covered Mm. so yeah yeah and so you know when I come to the professional aspect then to me that seems then like she's promising the world as a solution like you'll be happier Mm -hmm. but it's almost like she's she's saying oh I'll cure half of your disease for you here's Mm -hmm. the medicine that will cure half of it and and you'll be happy because half of it will be cured it's kind Mm -hmm. of you know that that makes sense um and so it's sort of like this there's a bit missing and what's promised 
does need that missing bit in order for those for what she has promised to actually be achieved, I think anyway. Mm-hmm. So as a professional then, what are your okay. criticisms? I'll start with the pros as a professional. Mm-hmm. I really like how the whole family is included because I think that is really important. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, when I work with clients, I'm working with one member of the family because the rest of the family isn't interested. And I'm usually working with the f- a female leader in the family, a mother or a wife or the, the female partner. Um, and the other uh, rest of the family don't feel like they need to take responsibility for things. And I really like how this process is shown in the show to give everybody the responsibility for dealing with their stuff mm-hmm. and not one person. There is, there is, on the, the show, there is a lot of um, sexism portrayed. Uh, unfortunately, it's still largely put down to the women to be responsible, but at the same time, they do include the whole family. So I do like that a lot. Uh, and perhaps actually, maybe it's a good thing that it does highlight that the women do feel the weight of the responsibility of the state of the home because that's the reality and maybe we do need to start having that more highlighted more of you know this is happening why why is this happening why why women who might work the same number of hours as her partner why is she the one who feels the weight for the house needing to be tidied up and Mm so and why she be expected to be the one to be in charge of it so um, I thought I thought it was funny too how it was like right so while she does the kitchen you hubby are out in the garage and I was just like oh (laughs) groan but then I thought well you know depending on that house honestly sadly possibly in our house if we had if she was here I'd be like yes the kitchen is my domain and actually yes the garage is my husband's domain because that's (laughs) how our house works and how stereotypical but that that's how a lot of us are stereo yeah a lot of us are stereotypical but I I would have just loved another another family that didn't quite fit I mean, it was great that she didn't all have just, um, you know, yeah, she, nuclear she had the same family. sex partners, and yeah, yeah, and, so and that, that was great. Good. But I, it was those those nuclear families that then, yep, hubby went to the garage and yeah, wife stayed in the kitchen. I was like, I would have loved a couple where hubby said, no, actually, the kitchen's my domain. She yeah, needs to go do too. her craft section or you know whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or she needs to go out into the shed and deal with the woodworking equipment that yeah. she's collected, you know, and all of the. The upholstery stuff she's collected. Hey, Tara. Mm, possibly, <laughs> but mine's very well organised. So, that's <laughs> of course, it is. But, but, but. So, I also like how um, they are responsible for doing it. There are some organising and decluttering shows where you know they come in and they do a makeover, basically, and these people go away for a holiday for a week and come back and the house is all made over. And to me, that's just absurd because in the background there's still a whole lot of decision making that these people have to do it's just not shown on television which then gives people who are watching it this idea that you know it's really easy to do it's just you know just go in and you know someone else can just go in and do a makeover for me and you know as as professionals we do do that at times you know there are some people in our industry who will just go in when the when the client's not there and completely reorganise the pantry and put it all in you know, nice containers and match it up and label everything and make that all work really well. But then there are others in the industry, which more like you and I, Tara, who who walk people through it and who are there for the whole time. And so I like the fact that they were responsible for doing it so it wasn't like, you know, 
let's just outsource this and we don't have to worry about it anymore. That said, she did leave them on their own too much um, and I'll get to that. I, like you, I really like how there are steps to follow. So like you said, there's this map that people can go, all right, I'm not going to be scattered around the house trying to do all these different things. I know this one category that I have to work on. So I did like the fact that there is um, those steps and a map to follow. I didn't like the order of the steps and I wouldn't use that order with my own clients. I felt that the fact that she has an order that she makes people stick to, although she did provide some flexibility with one who wanted to work on a sentimental category early and Marie Kondo tried to get her not to but then gave in and said, okay, yes, you're right, you can do that section first. But I think that there is, you know, for people that are maybe following the book or following the show and trying to do these steps, maybe the, maybe clothes are their most difficult category maybe book I I think clothes and books and what was the third one um clothes papers paperwork (laughs) yeah so clothes books and paperwork I actually think that they're a lot harder than the other miscellaneous than the kitchen I mean I think the kitchen utensil drawer is so much easier than books for a lot of people for most people and so I found the order to be as far as that strengthening the muscle goes I found it to be a bit out um, mm-hmm. As far as the, my experience with my clients goes, I didn't think that it was possibly quite the right order. But I do like how there are steps at the same time. That's that's a good start. And, you know, and I was inspired by the show. And like I said, I jumped up and cleaned out my bin drawer. So <laughs> it can't be. Yeah, it can't be all bad. It's a, yeah, apologising, you know, to my house. I'm sorry I was lazy house. I, want, I, I would like a photo of you for Instagram hugging your house, please, from now on <laughs> when you get home. From a day out, hug your house, send us a photo, and I'll put it put it online. Oh god, I'm already ridiculous enough without <laughs> sort of proving it too much. Um, yeah, so those are sort of what I I liked um, about the show from a professional perspective. So that's my professional view on those. Now into the cons, and there is a fair list of of <laughs> cons, but. You know, I'm not a complete detractor, as you've heard. I've, I've sort of said there's lots of great things about the show. But probably, and I've mentioned this a bit earlier, but you just don't see them getting any help making decisions. That question of does it spark joy should not be the only question that you ask yourself for many items. For some, it it might only be the only question, you know, because there are some times that I'll, I'll say to a client, I'll ask them one question, do you need this? And they'll go, oh, no, and it goes. And so that's the only question that they need. But there are other times where I have to ask a client 10 questions before they can decide whether they need something or not. And so I think that having uh, access to more questions to ask yourself would be really helpful. So, and I heard she did ask a couple of times and she did say to one client, she did ask one man once, what will this, what value is this going to give to your life? because he was struggling with the whole spark joy thing. It was a book, I think, and he just was struggling with that. And so she did ask that other question and I was like, and I got all excited because I'm like, oh, there's another question. And then it went away and it was hardly asked again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see a little a little, little bit of it. But it's for, for people like me who know all these questions, 
I can get by that. But there are people who don't know these questions. They don't know how to ask themselves, what are the chances I'll need this again? What are the consequences I'll need this? What am I afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? How many of these do I have? How well could I improvise without? All those questions, there's a billion questions that you can ask yourself that can help you come to to a decision without having to rely on just one, which is Mm -hmm. does it spark joy? So I thought that it would have been helpful to see them getting more help in making their decisions. I didn't like how they were left alone when overwhelmed and distressed and I I sort of felt for them at those times and that's sort of when when we're working with our clients, we're hands-on, when they say, I'm, I'm completely overwhelmed, I'm completely overwhelmed and, and they're looking distressed, there is something I can do about it because I'm there. Mm-hmm. I can help them to feel better whereas these people, they weren't seen to be helped in that time of need. They may have been, there may have been things happening in the background we don't know about but they weren't seen to be. Another con is, and I think you've you mentioned this yourself as well, is they're working on this every day, all day for a month, and it's not explained properly. And someone said to me, oh, I think a month is a manageable time frame. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. Because if you've got lots of stuff, but you have a job and you have children and you have pets and you have family and you have um, commitments, then Getting all of it done in 30 days, I would say is virtually impossible without, you know, without sort of becoming completely exhausted. And so that's not explained. And I, in one of the episodes, a woman says to her daughter, this is my, this is all I'm doing for the next month. This is my full-time job. I'm doing this all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And that's the only time we get a hint that that's what they're required to do. They're required to be there all day and all night for a month working on this. And that's not communicated clearly enough. And so I think then that could give people false expectations about how long it might take them to do something. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I th- I think it just paints such an unrealistic picture mm. because I think there's one or two episodes where I think the Friend family, because I just loved that their last name was Friend. I know. Wasn't that the best? I think, and it showed it showed him coming home from work or something. And I was like, oh, so someone actually had to leave oh, the house during this he? process because yeah. even the ones with kids, but he walked in, well, I, I it was probably my assumption that it was from work. He walked in with like a, a briefcase or a mm. bag and in, you know, a shirt and trousers or something that looked like work attire. But the rest of them, even the ones with kids, it's, the kids seem to just be there helping sort the whole time. And I'm like, okay, so is this in school holidays and everyone's taken a month off? That's just not realistic or feasible Mm. for 99% of our clients. So to have the idea that they can just knuckle down, sort your entire house Mm. in one go and then it be done and your life change forever is just painting a really bad picture. Mm. And it concerns me that then future clients of ours have unrealistic expectations that this will happen in 35 minutes like it Mm. does on the show and... Their, their life problems will be solved and it's just Yeah, not that that's simple. right. It takes longer. And in one of my Facebook group, they were talking recently about how long they've been on this journey and they sort of said to me, you know, when did you first release your Christmas challenge? Because that's when they first all got together was they all followed my a pre-Christmas challenge, decluttering challenge that I did. And it was at least three years. And one of them said, oh, I've been working on this for three years and my house still isn't exactly the way I want. But I've done this and my mindset has changed on this and my appreciation of this has changed. And it's been sort of, you know, uh, she's still achieved so much, but getting the house to perfect and then getting all of the habits that will then sustain that done in one month is really 
really unrealistic. Uh, I always say to people, you know, you, you're going to be working on this for a good year, a good year of what we do. This plan that I write for you and the assistance that I'm going to give you, you know, if, if I'm coming in and helping every week, obviously we'll do, get it done faster. But if you are still going to work your job and you're going to mm-hmm. do this by yourself, then give yourself a good year. And, you know, that's a lot more realistic than one month of, of getting it all done. And also the amount of stuff that some of those people had there were a few houses that had very that had high volumes of, of clutter but there were others that had you know average volumes and again they didn't sort of explain realistically the differences between mm. moderate levels of clutter and really high levels of clutter and the fact that then that people could even when they were doing the clothing category they had a space to put all their clothes in one yeah, pile exactly. yes some yeah. of them and that's what I'm bed. coming to next yeah. Or on the couch. But yeah, that just seemed. <laughs> yeah. I had um, someone message me and say, yeah, she put all her clothes on the bed and then uh, she had to go pick up the kids and then something else happened, something else happened. And then by then it was bedtime. And so she just p- sort of pushed it all to one side and then it kind of all fell on the floor. And then the cat weed on it. And then she's like, now none of it is sparking joy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a good way. Just get the cat to wear everything and it all has to go. But, yeah, you know, it, it. It, it just showed that, you know, life gets in the way and if you're going to pile everything, every item of clothing in your house, and for some people that's four wardrobes full of clothing onto mm-hmm. a bed that might be the only bed that you have to sleep in, means that you have to go through that entire pile that day. And when I work with clients that sometimes have to deliberate over one item for what, 10 or 15 minutes, Again, that's there's no way they're going to get that all done in the day, mm. and so that particular method can be can be setting people up for failure or to become even in a worse state than what they were. Um, so I'm sort of I can see the psychological advantages of seeing all your stuff in one one spot, but I can guarantee you that my clients with high levels of clutter who call me in to help them, they know very well how much they have. They don't need to see it all piled on the bed. They already know it's there's too much because they can't move the hangers in the wardrobe because they're so jammed together. Um, they know mm-hmm. all of this, that they can't find anything, they can't close the drawers. So they can see that volume themselves. So, um, I, you know, there is certain merit to seeing it all together, but at the same time it's not necessary and there are other ways. And that's what I sort of wish that, the hope that people do understand when they watch the show is that you don't have to do it like that. And if you can't do it like that, don't doesn't mean you need to give up altogether. There are mm. other ways of doing it. Um, and the same with the books, pulling all the books out and putting them on the floor. That, you know, if you have somebody with perhaps ADHD or somebody on the autism spectrum or anyone, someone with even someone with anxiety, just having all of that out will can trigger them uh, into complete overwhelm and then they can't make a decision because all they see is all of the books. They can't look at the books one at a time because all they see is everything all at once and that isn't going to be effective either and they'll end up, again, you know, giving up or just sort of pushing the piles to the side and then living with those piles for months because they, they don't know how to deal with them because they're overwhelmed by the volume. So, um, you know, that pulling it all, the whole pulling it all out method is not the only way to do it and sometimes it's the really wrong way to do it. <laughs> mm. Also, when there's like loads of clutter in a home, sometimes there isn't that space. Like you said, you know, they all had a space to put it, but what if there isn't? What if they're already sleeping on the couch because their bed is full of stuff? Where do they put all the clothes in one pile then? So, you know, it's there are a lot of people who will watch this and then feel like failures because they can't even start that the method because it's just, mm-hmm. you know, they've just got too much stuff. 
Um, you mentioned the charity. We mentioned charities a little bit before, and I I found it quite. I actually laughed. I found it quite amusing at how they set up the charity runs on this show, and it was obviously very staged. But it was you know the charities are like, oh thank you yeah yeah that's wonderful and this will do this will go to here and yeah we really want this oh yeah we would love we'd love a whole truckload of your clothes. Whereas when I go to the charities, they they give me the side eye um, and ask me in great detail what it is that I'm taking and then send me away with half of it when because they don't want it and they don't want it because they can't sell it not because it's poor quality I don't take poor quality stuff but you know I thought you know gee I wish that the charities you know here <laughs> were that welcoming when they see my van or our our van or my car pull up in the driveway <laughs> because I think like I said to Mick like they see us coming and they send the manager out <laughs> Because <laughs> they're like, oh, look, there's lots coming. We've got to just make sure. We have come to the point now where we've said to clients, look, we can't take that to the charity. I know that it's in good condition, but we have to be careful we're not blacklisted from the charities. So we have to um, be a bit fussy. Sometimes the clients will take their own stuff because they want to take something that I think is a bit dodgy. Yeah. So I'll say, that's cool, you can take that. But if I take that, I won't be allowed in there again to deposit stuff and I really do need to be able mm-hmm. to. Um, take things to charity so uh, yeah so I would love it if they you know came out and gave me a big hug and said oh thank you so much because that does not maybe you just need you just need me Mick to have a camera with him just he can pretend to be your camera crew (laughs) as you drop stuff off (laughs) they might be a bit cheerier then they might be they might be um so what's another negative Uh, there oh we talked about this before there isn't enough talk about acquiring why did they buy mm-hmm. this item that they never ended up using? Why did they feel it was important? Why did they have them? And and um, how how come they got this but never used it? And what was going through their mind when they wanted to buy it? All that kind of stuff isn't talked about at all. And I do think it's it's that like not all hope is lost because I've found that just. I always talk to clients about their acquiring habits. It's one of the you know first questions that I ask them when I'm assessing. But even if I don't ask them about their acquiring habits or if we don't put into place new acquiring habits, quite often acquiring habits change anyway just through the process of decluttering because quite often when you declutter, the decluttering process helps you see what you own and then if you know what you own, you're a much more intentional shopper because when you go to buy something, you're like, oh, well, I don't need that because I have one at home or I have three at home. So sometimes uh, intentional acquisition is a side effect of decluttering without it being actively mentioned. So that could be happening with these particular people. But at the same time, I still think there needs to be more talk about acquiring uh, just in general. It, maybe the show doesn't proclaim to talk about that or the book, but I just think it's piece of the pie that's missing because, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think when she talks about not having people rebound and that kind of stuff, um. How like yeah exactly unless, how unless there, there's a follow up maybe this is this is our calling Beck we need to be doing the follow up show <laughs> yeah. the life changing magic of staying tidy once you've tidied yeah yeah maybe. and that's it because life it. happens you know and yeah. I, I guess the good thing is that if life does happen and they end up messy again they know the process so that's a good thing like they go mm-hmm. they can, instead of looking at it and going I don't know what to do they can go okay let's just start again so that's a good thing I guess yeah. but you will backslide. People do backslide. And I think the expectation needs to be set that, you know, life happens. You know, some someone will get sick and, you know, they'll be in, um, in bed for two weeks and things will get put away in the wrong places and things will end up, you know, all over the place again. But that's okay because you'll be okay. But none of that is sort of mentioned. It's all, it's all very, you know, do this once and it will be perfect. And 
tidying up. I mean, I don't like the phrase tidying up for a start because to me that's just that's just like painting over mould. But if organising and decluttering isn't a one-off experience, it's a lifestyle change. Having a un, an uncluttered home and just evidenced by the amount of episodes that we're do, using to talk about that, having an uncluttered home is not like the cabbage soup diet where you go on it or it is sorry it is it's just like the cabbage soup diet where you go on the did it, did you know the cabbage soup diet Tara did your mum go on that in the 80s my mum did um I uh I would hate to say I think it's possibly the only diet I ever tried oh, which, did you try? uh, <laughs> I did it for about uh, a week before I got married because I bought my wedding dress about 12 months before <laughs> I got married and didn't try it on then and then put it on a week before we flew um, out of Australia to get married and uh, my dress didn't, didn't fit. So I rang Into. my Uncle John and said, John, you told me once about this cabbage shoot diet. And he goes, right, I'll send it to you. And sure enough, I got my dress on on my wedding day. Oh, and- so it worked. And this is the thing. Yeah. But with the thing with the cabbage soup diet is you go on the diet, you lose a lot of weight, you lose it fairly quickly. But then when you go back on your normal diet, the weight comes back on again. Oh, and yeah. unless within, you make within about 12 hours <laughs> taking that dress off I'm pretty sure the weight was back on <laughs> Kate, wedding cake it served but, uh, its purpose yeah exactly yeah. it served its purpose and so um and it's the thing it's it's only a short-term thing and and so decluttering is the same you know you you're changing you need to change your entire lifestyle otherwise it the weight just comes back on again and your house will get fat yeah. again and you know it's it's not going to be a long-term thing so um the whole lifestyle change which does somewhat happen automatically through a slow like a change in uh, mindset when you declutter, but you ha- you can't you can't just expect it to happen automatically. You have to actually work towards that as well, and that's not really mentioned there. Um, mm. I just want to touch a little bit on some of the criticisms that she's getting in the media. Uh, I we mentioned the the ridiculing of Spark Joy being you know completely ignoring her religion and completely ignoring the translation being slightly off out of whack so I think that you know the the media criticisms of her I think are largely unwarranted and they're looked at through their own lens and not through her lens like we like we explained and I think a lot of the opinions are formed without watching the show properly or reading the book and initially I was guilty of that I skimmed the book and I formed my opinion and I think that's the wrong thing for me to to have done and that's why I've never done a review online or a blog of the book because I just didn't read it well enough. But I did have an opinion and that opinion changed once I, I watched the show. So I think that, you know, by watching the show and by reading the books, only then are you qualified to give your opinion, I think. I think that people are, you know, there's some thinly veiled racism in there and there's a lot of ridicule, which I think is, you know, largely unwarranted. Mm-hmm. I was at the hairdresser the other day and um, one of them said, she goes, oh, yeah, no, I've seen the ads. Because she said, oh, what are you writing? And I said, oh, I'm just writing down some notes for a podcast this week. And she asked what it was on. I told her, she goes, oh, I've seen the ads. It looks ridiculous. And then mm-hmm. someone, another hairdresser I've heard, and she goes, no, no, don't judge it till you watch it. She said, <laughs> she's doing amazing stuff. And I was like, oh, look, case in point. This yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's very... Um, it's very divisive, I think. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of people who will be really critical of it and then there are, there are people, other people who come in and say, I don't understand why everyone hates her. Why are you being so critical of it? And I think that anytime something is wildly popular, it's going to have people who hate it and people who love it and that's just the way it is. And, and I think, um, you know, we can see the pros and cons of, of each of them. 
I think that's important for people to understand that there are pros and cons to everything. And this show is so wildly popular that the criticisms are saying, oh, but it doesn't work for everyone. And I'm like, but, but that's, I can, I, I, I use that as a criticism, but for me, it's more of a, a warning to people, not a criticism. It's more of a warning of like, hey, you can watch this show and you might get some from it, but don't put all of your weight of expectation on this. Don't put all of your eggs in one basket because okay. it might not work for you. And if it doesn't, that's okay. You're not a failure if it doesn't work for you. If you've got high levels of clutter, if you've got um, a mental health condition, if you have a complex uh, situation, it might not work for you, but that's cool because there are other books out there and there are other shows and there are other resources for you. You know, it's a sort of one of an analogy I used recently is that, that I love watching The Walking Dead and that's a zombie show. And a lot of people are like, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, gross, can't watch that. It's either too scary or it's too gross or it's horrific or whatever. But that mm-hmm. show, that show is not criticised for not being for everybody. So why should Marie Kondo's show be criticised for not being for everybody? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, it's a little bit unfair. Uh, but, you know, it's 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 true. It is not for everybody. Yeah. And I, I think, like you said, there's we, we're kind of uh, in the middle and – I'm I'm a bit of a cherry picker. There are things that I I love aspects of it and I loathe aspects of it, but I feel like that about a lot of things. And so I yeah. you know, I've become a bit of, you know, a bowerbird that collects things and puts them all in my nest to decorate. So there are there mm. are some of the ways that she folds, like my linen cupboard is the way my linen cupboard is because of Marie Kondo, because I loved so I stack my towels and my bath mats and all of that I stack them like a filing cabinet and it's amazing and it looks beautiful and my kids do it and it's really easy to organize and I can see everything in there I love that I don't I don't Mm. stack my socks like that I certainly don't do my t-shirt so I've cherry-picked the things that I thought from her would work for me in my home in areas that I wanted you know a new system but I don't do it throughout Um, and Mm. I think that's what people need to go into it with with a view of if there is something useful that I get out of this show, even if it is just yeah. an appreciation that I'm not alone in my battle against clutter, great, you've got something out of it. Don't don't put the weight of expectation on that show to fix you. That's a perfect way to sum up. I don't think we need to say anything hmm, more. There you go. Hmm, I really like that. So this week's challenge is to attack our cooking utensils. So the kinds of things that you would use to bake and fry and stir and mash. You might keep them in a drawer or you might keep them in a pot uh, or a combination of the two, but it's worth going through them and just getting rid of the duplicates. We have a habit of collecting duplicates of utensils, so see how many can openers you have and see how many spatulas and whisks that you have and that you need and wooden spoons and get rid of any that are looking a little bit old and tired or that you have several of and you'll find it much easier to open that drawer and look through it and put things back in the pot and remove things from the pot. We all know what it's like to try and remove a utensil from a pot and three other utensils follow it. So it would be really great if you had enough air in that pot for you to be able to get the utensils out quickly and easily. Don't forget to share your utensil decluttering with us online Um, on Facebook or on Instagram and um, good luck. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. 
If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.